Thank you for listening to our church podcast where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. Most of the sermons will be preached by our founding pastor, John Cole. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m. for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. All right, thank you for reading Psalm 112. I'm looking forward to seeing the righteous redeemed and the fearless fearful in this text. There's some beautiful themes in here as we're as I was reading and connecting this because uh, Psalm 112, as we'll look at in just a moment, it, it goes together with Psalm 111, but it paints a beautiful picture of the righteous, and it also shows the characteristics of one who fears God. The word I used in that subtitle, the fearful, is, that, is, is more of the idea of one that is uh, fearful of God, not fearful of everything else. We see in this passage, as we'll get into it, that the one that fears God is fearless, and it's pretty uh, strong, and I, I like seeing that. We'll also see many times in here the emphasis of the righteous person. But this psalm, psalmist first describes the character of the God-fearing, righteous person in verse 1. As we just read through that, let me go ahead and read it again to set it up. But it says, praise you the Lord. It starts off with praising God, as it is part of one of the hallelujah uh, psalms here. And it says, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. It begins first just describing this character of this, of a God-fearing person, no particular person in general. Uh, but just a God-fearing, righteous person. And then it recalls some of the blessings of this kind of person. In the next several verses, verses 2 through 5, you see uh, descriptions of the blessings that are on this kind of person, this God-fearing, this righteous person. And then the psalmist shows the righteousness that are, uh, how secure they are as they trust in Jehovah God. And they they are ones that can depend on and trust in God for their life and for their everything. And then the psalmist concludes in verse 10, points out the, the person that is not a person that lives as the righteous person, but rather the wicked, and points out how they are very opposite and that their ultimate fate, fate is very different than the righteous person. But the focus is not put on that person. That's just the conclusion. It's the very last verse of this chapter. It's actually a focus on the righteous person and those characteristics that that person has and the, and the things that the righteous person can trust will happen in their life. But to better understand it, we do have to back up to Psalm 111, where it praises God for his work and his character. If you will look with me in Psalm 111, I'd like to just go ahead and read through it and just let you follow along if you have your Bibles there. It starts out the same, praise the Lord. But then it goes on and it says, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. 
He has showed his people the power of his works, and he, uh, that, that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever, and are done in truth and a brightness. He sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. Holy and reverend is his name. All of those verses are all about God himself describing his characteristics as the righteous God, the, the, the amazing God that, that we should stand in awe of. And then the last verse gives, helps give a transition to the next psalm. So Psalm 10, and you don't, unless I say advance it, Johnny, you don't need to advance it, okay? So bring it back to the title there. There you go. So verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is uh, quoted in other places of the Bible as well, uh, but just the focus that, that fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. And a good understanding of all they that do his commandments, his praise endureth forever. And then it goes into the person that does those things. So Psalm 111 exalts and lifts up God and who God is and praises him for his works. And then it ends by talking about uh, the person that fears that God and that loves that God's commandments. And then the next chapter, Psalm 112, describes that person that does fear the God that is described in Psalm 111. And that does love the commandments of God who is described in Psalm 111. So the two work together and complement one another uh, as Psalm 111 praises God for his work and his character. And Psalm 112 complements that by recognizing the work and character of the person who follows God. It takes up the idea of the fear of the Lord here in verse 10 and helps us see that, that the fear, uh, the person that fears God follows God. We can only be made righteous through following the righteousness of God himself. And so Psalm 111 is our basis. Psalm 112 is a description of the person that follows God who is righteous. Now, God, if you will, notice with me in verse 9 of Psalm 111, if you look at chapter 111 and verse 9, uh, it points out that God, he sent redemption unto his people. I want to take a moment and look at that first before we then go through Psalm 112, because we see the, the people that are to be righteous are people that God has made a covenant to enable them to be able to be righteous. God has chosen to redeem so that we, we can be righteous. God's goal for us is not just to redeem and save people, but that he would redeem or buy back lost people that are broken and then enable them to live in righteousness with Christ. His goal for us is not just to save us, but it is so that way we would live with him and follow his characteristics, him enabling us to do that, not on our own. Psalm 111, verse 9, as we looked at, talking about God sending redemption unto his people, it's right after him talking about taking care of his people. So verse 8, he, he talks about that they stand fast forever and are done in truth and a brightness, and then he sends redemption unto his people. And he hath commanded his covenant forever. 
What kind of covenant has God given to his people? Well, even before Jesus had come and before we consider the new covenant or the new testament, we look back on covenants that God has given with the Old Testament saints, those that called, that he called to be with him. So I'd like us to see Genesis 15 verses 13 through 16. And we see God promising a covenant with Abraham. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. That's talking about Egypt. And they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. That's just a rounded up number. This is about six to 800 years before what is being written about actually happens. What, what's being written about here is Abraham's children, the people of Israel, being in bondage in Egypt. And he's saying about six or eight hundred years before that happens, that it will happen and that they won't be in bondage for hundreds of years. Then verse 14 says, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward, they shall come out with great substance. That's what happened with the Exodus. When God used Moses to lead the people out of Egypt and they brought substance, great substance with them, God had told Abraham that this would happen. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in good old, in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, uh, they shall come hither again for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So Genesis here is, is talking about God's covenant not only with Abraham that we've talked about before to bless all nations through Abraham, to give him a great seed, but it's God's covenant to redeem his own. It's God's covenant to redeem the people of Israel. God would redeem them multiple times. Not only would he redeem us from sin, but he'd redeem them even from the bondage of Egypt. And God fulfilled that. Let's look at another example where God affirmed that same redemption that he had promised to Abraham. He affirmed it to Moses. So let's look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 10. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptian. And to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large unto a land flown with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee, Moses, unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. There you have two times where God is saying that he will redeem his people out of Egypt. And this is right before he does it, where he calls Moses to be the one that God uses. We're not going to take time to go to other Old Testament prophecies of redemption, but in Isaiah 42 would be places where we see it. Isaiah 49, Isaiah 55, Jeremiah 31, different places in the Bible where God talks about redeeming his people, buying them back and rescuing them from oppressors. And of course, the whole Bible is a redemptive story that looks to God redeeming those of us, all of us that are lost in sin and separated from God. And God would pay the price of redemption on the cross, Jesus Christ himself. 
that God would redeem. But why would God redeem people is the question. Redemption is central to the scriptures. God redeemed in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. He promised the redemption like we just talked about with Abraham and even with Moses. And, and he taught redemption with Abraham and Isaac uh, on the mountain and, and him, uh, Abraham about to kill his own son and God saying, I'll provide a lamb. And he taught it through, as uh, Marvin even mentioned during Sunday school today's or Bible study time, where even how they constructed the tabernacle, he showed them the redemption that he would provide. But why would God redeem? Well, God redeems not only to save fallen people, broken people, but he redeems us or buys us back so that way he can conform us to his image. He wants to transform us to be more like Jesus Christ. And we could do many lessons about that in the New Testament. Today I want to focus on our text, but we it is very clear in the scriptures that God redeems us to be a people with him, to be a peculiar people, a people that God would transform to the likeness of God himself, Jesus Christ, not to the extent of his character. We cannot be uh, come as the character of God, but we can be like him and follow him. Psalm 112 gives us characteristics of a righteous person that does follow God. And I want us to take time to just look at several of these, specifically those that parallel Psalm 111. It's very interesting as we get into the uh, into this, I'm going to put them up on the screen for you to see them. But Psalm 111 gives characteristics of God who redeems. Characteristics uh, Psalm 112 gives characteristics characteristics of of those that have been redeemed and the righteous, those that are following God. So Psalm 112, they they're actually the same. They match each other. Characteristics of God, attributes of God, attributes of the righteous. Because that's God's goal in redeeming us, is that we become like him. And so if you will look with me in Psalm 111, we're going to go through and see several of these beginning at verse 3. I would like us to look at verse 3 of 111, and then we're going to look at 3, 6, and 9 of 112. The next word there is uh, righteous. First of all, we see the righteousness of God being pointed out in verse 3 of 111, where it says his work is honorable and glorious and his righteousness endureth forever. It's pointing out that God is righteous. God is one who is right all the way through. He is just. God does only that which is right. And then if you look at me in Psalm 112, it talks about the person that fears God and that person also lives and, and demonstrates righteousness and has righteousness in him. Look at me in verse 3. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. This is not talking about God here. This is talking about the person that fears God, the person that obeys God, the one that, as verse 1 says, delights greatly in his commandments. This person that fears God, this person that delights in God's commandments, is a person that his righteousness endureth forever. So someone that delights in God's commandments, someone that fears God, how is their fear of God and delighting in God's commandments, how does that 
connect with being righteous and having righteousness that endures. Well, fearing God is to reverence who he is, to look at him with great awe and admiration and to fear his wrath and to look at him and to say, everything about who he is you admire. And so if God is righteous, as was described in Psalm 111, then a person that fears God and delights in his commandments, when they look at God and see the righteousness of God, they say, I also want to follow the righteousness of God. I want the righteousness of God in my life. I desire it. I want it. I want to be a righteous person. A person who does right. And so we see Psalm 112, verse 3, that his righteousness endureth forever. Look at verse 6. It says, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. This is referring again to the righteous person and saying that they will be remembered forever. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's, it's calling this person the righteous again. And then verse 9, He had dispersed, he had given to the poor, his righteousness endureth forever. Every time it talks about righteousness, notice it's talking about this righteousness enduring forever. The only person that their righteousness can endure forever is those that are redeemed by God. For it to, re, to, for it to endure forever and ever and ever. And we saw in, ver, in chapter 111 that God redeems God redeems so that way we can become like him and even follow in his righteousness that we obtain from him. Righteousness that endures. In the Old Testament, they, those that would fear God, believe on him, believe on Jehovah God and trust on him and fear him and put their trust on him are ones that would recognize that, that I don't need these false gods. I don't need these ways. I need God himself. I need Jehovah God and I trust in him and I want to follow his righteousness. Then if you will look with me in verse four, Psalm 111, here we see another trait of God here that is just lifted up and exalted, described in verse four. It says he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Here we see God described as one that has great grace. He gives and shares what people do not deserve for him to share. We see he is compassionate. And then 112 in verse 4 talks about the righteous person, the one that fears God and delights in God's commands. And look at me in verse 4. Unto the upright there riseth light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion. And righteous. Now, the beginning there says, Unto the upright, this upright person that fears God and delights in God's commandments, unto him there ariseth light in the darkness. This is referring to a person that is in a dark place and they cannot see, and God brings light in that place. There ariseth light in darkness. So, a person that is living a life after God and righteous and following him can depend on God to bring light when they're in a dark place. But also, if you'll notice at the last part of that, it just describes this person. It says he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. He is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. Person that fears God and delights in his commandments, wants to, wants to follow God's ways, follows God's attributes, his characteristics of being gracious and full of compassion.
Then if you look with me in verse 7 of Psalm 111, it says, The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. God, God, what he does, he does with judgment or justice. What God does is just. It is right. What he does, he does with truth. That is who God is. All his ways are just. All his ways are right. Now let's look at the person that follows God, that fears God, that delights in God's commandments. And so 112 and verse 5. Look at verse 5, if you will. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. That word discretion is the same Hebrew word that is used in verse 7 of 111 for the word judgment. And so God's hands, the work of his hands are with judgment or could also be justice. There, He does things in justice. And then in verse 5 of 112, a good man showeth favor and lendeth, he will guide his affairs with discretion. And it's, it's the same idea that he guides his affairs with good judgment, with justice. He's a just person. The person that follows God's righteousness and that fears God and, and looks at God and is in awe of who God is, adopts God's ways and treats people with justice, not unjustly, is not unfair to people, does not try to cheat people, doesn't try to one-up or get an advantage at the expense of other people, but is just in all of his doings, righteous, as we looked at before. Then if you will look with me in Psalm 111, verse 5. Here we see that God remembers. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. God never forgets, never forgets his covenant, his promise that he makes to his own. He never forgot his promise to that we looked at to Abraham. Never, he would never forget his promise to Moses. And he would never forget his promise to me and you that have chosen to believe on Jesus Christ to, and follow him, to believe his word. He never forgets he made a promise. Have you ever made a promise before and then you forgot it? Maybe you told someone you were going to do something and then they came to you and you just you blanked out. You couldn't remember anything they were talking about. You know, I'm so glad that God has so many things to think about. And I'm so glad that he doesn't forget his covenants. And he doesn't forget those who he has redeemed, those that have believed on Christ and come to him. Verse uh, 6 of Psalm 112 says, Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. So here we see that God remembers his covenant. In Psalm 112 we see that the righteous is always remembered. They're always remembered. And they're specifically always remembered by God. The righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance. Then we'll look at verse 8 of 111, if you will, and it says, They stand fast forever and ever and are done in truth and a brightness. This is speaking of the works of the hands of God. So God's work that he does is steadfast. It stands forever. It is sure. The work that he does, no one else can break. 
No one else can stop his work. His work is steadfast. The things that God does, no one else can change. God can allow people room within this world that he has given to make decisions for themselves. But if God determines something to be, it will be. God's work is established and steadfast. Notice with me in 112, another description of the righteous person that goes along with that in verses 7 and 8. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. That's talking about bad news. Think about this for a moment here. This righteous person that fears God. This person that as they fear God, they delight in God's commandments. This person is not afraid of someone bringing tidings to them that are evil or harmful or bad or saying, Oh no, we've got a problem. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when people tell me evil tidings or bad news. I want good stuff. Tell me something good. But this righteous person does not, is not afraid of the evil tidings, afraid of someone bringing them bad news about things in life. His heart is fixed. It's not unstable. It's not resting on water. It's resting on a sure foundation, on a solid rock. His heart is fixed. I, I, this is why I put the subtitle there of the fearless, fearful Because as we keep reading in these verses, we'll see this description of someone that doesn't have fear. They're not afraid. And that's that's not natural to not be afraid when something gives good reason to be afraid. But this person's heart is fixed. Why? Comma, it says, trusting in the Lord. The heart is fixed because they're trusting in the Lord. They're fearing God. When you fear God and reverence God and put your trust in Him, because a, a person that fears God puts their trust in God, and when they do that, they, they don't have the same flighty fearfulness that is inside of them that when bad things come, they go, Oh no, what am I going to do? But instead, they, they say, Why well, I, I trust God knows what He's doing. I understand this. I don't like it. But God knows what he's doing. A person that fears God, delights in God's commandments, that person has a fixed heart, so when things come their way, they don't get knocked off course, but they stay strong. Not because they are strong, but because they trust he is strong. And they trust God knows what he's doing. They trust that he's steadfast. They trust that he, in the end, brings the victory. And I can trust that God is taking care of things. But then we keep reading here. Notice it says in verse 8, another description of this heart of the righteous person. His heart is established. It's established. It's strong. His heart is on, again, it's on a strong foundation. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. And that's just referring to that his heart is not only established for a small amount of time, but he can endure a long length of time until finally, if he has an enemy coming at him where most people, their heart would not be established, their heart would not be fixed, and they would be afraid, but rather he can stay strong and established while the enemy continues until eventually... He triumphs over the enemy, eventually overcomes. 
eventually sees his desire upon his enemy. Sees the desire. What's the desire of the enemy? That his enemy would be knocked out. He says, my heart, the, the righteous person's heart is established and fixed until that problem goes away. Until that enemy gets out of their way. They can stay and endure hardness. Why? Because they are great, strong people? No, because they're trusting in a great, strong God. So we keep reading here, and we, we see this, this description of this righteous person. And we see that the righteous will not be afraid of this bad news because his heart is fixed or ready for whatever life brings. He's trusting in God. The person who fears God and lives righteous is ready for whatever life brings. And that's a strong statement to say. This person that is, is fearing God, trusting God, delighting in his commandments, is ready for what life brings. Now that's, that's a strong statement, to be ready for what life brings. That ought to be a desire that we, each of us have. We don't know what life will bring. So may we ask God to help us as we fear him. Say, God, help me to be ready for what life brings. Because I don't know what's around the corner. I'm not going to wish for bad things. I'm not going to wish for hard times and difficult decisions. But I know that it's very likely that some of those things will be around the corner at some point. And I want to be ready in my heart, established when those things come. One who doesn't fear God lives driven after their own desires without care of God. This person gets blindsided in life when things in life don't go the way they're trying to design it to be. If my life is all about how I'm trying to design my life, and then my design gets knocked off course, so does my heart. Because my life is all about what I'm trying to design it to be. But if my life is, I am, I am trusting God, I fear, I have an awe of Him, and I trust His ways, and that, God, if you allow me to steward my life, it's yours. All these things I have, they belong to you, and so they're yours. And if things change, I can, have, I can be ready in my heart for the change. But if my life doesn't, if I'm not seeking after God and I'm not fearing God, I'm not delighting his ways and I'm just trying to make my life what I want my life to be, when my life gets a change up, my heart is not ready for that. And I will get hurt. I will get thrown off course. But the righteous person, their heart is established. Then verse 5 of Psalm 111 says, He hath given meat unto them that fear him, he will ever be mindful of his covenant. Here we're just seeing that God provides. He had given meat unto them that fear him. God provides for those that fear him. He is a provider. He gives tangible goods to those that need it. Now let's look at the righteous person. The righteous person that fears God, Psalm 112, verse 9. Verse 9 says about this righteous person, he hath dispersed. I mean, that means to, to take what you have and to give. He hath dispersed. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn or his strength, picture, picture the horn of an ox. And so his horn is just kind of a poetic expression 
of his strength, like the strength of an ox, where if, if you get hit by that, it's, it's going to hurt. And saying his horn or his strength shall be exalted with honor. So in verse 9, it's talking about this righteous person that doesn't withhold and hold back, but actually is not, this is a fearless person. Remember, because everything we're describing here as we're getting into it, we're seeing this person fears God, but is fearless in life. This person is not afraid trying to control their life and try to protect and make sure it's all what they want it to be. When you fear God, you're able to not fear other things and problems because you have a confidence of trust that God's in control. And so you also can be more giving. Giving to help other people. Giving in your whole mindset of life, your time. Wisdom that God has shared. Financial blessings for people. A giving mindset comes from a person that fears God and trusts Him because they believe that they don't have to control everything that they have and keep it because I'm afraid of what's going to come around the corner. But they can trust that it's right to give and it's right to disperse and I'll help the poor. I'll be a giving person like God. God provides. And so we see here that this person disperses and gives to the poor and his horn or strength is exalted with honor. And so as this person gives and shares, they are exalted and lifted up. Their strength of who they are as a person. They don't give and cause themselves to go into poverty. They give and they help. They do good and they are exalted. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24 talks about this as a principle, if you'll uh, notice this, it says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but tendeth to poverty. This is a principle in the book of Proverbs, just talking about how there are some people that they scatter and they share, and yet they increase. Strange. They, they share, they don't hold it all to themselves, they, they give for other people, and they increase. But then it says, and there is some other people that are different than that. They withhold more than is meat. So they hold back more than what they absolutely they have to have, they need. And of course, you know, there's also teaching the Proverbs to teach to prepare for the winter and to save and to be wise. So it's not saying it's wrong for you to save, but it's just talking about people that have way more than what they need. And, and they, they won't share at all is what it's saying. They, they withhold more than is meat, and notice that, that it tendeth to poverty, can lead to poverty. That doesn't mean every person that is stingy and withholds from sharing always becomes poor. This is a principle. I know some stingy people that have money. But the principle is that he's saying, hey, I see some people that they, they give, they give, and yet they get back. They just have a giving mindset. And then there's some other people that withhold and they're very stingy and it just doesn't help. And possibly the poverty is poverty with friendships, poverty with trust. It could be poverty in other areas, but this is specifically talking about financially. But this, the same principle applies that this righteous person gives. When you have a fixed heart, when you fear God, when you are fearless in life, which we all have some fear, but this is described as a person that's just not controlled by, driven by fear. They're holding on to less, and they're more willing to share. Then lastly here, we'll see 
in verse 5, 8, and 9 of 111, we see this emphasis of being forever. Psalm 111, verse 5, 8, and 9. Verse 5 says, He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. Forever. We see in verse 8, They stand fast forever, his works, God's works, forever and ever, and are done in truth and uprightness. And then verse 9, we see he sent redemption unto his people. He hath commanded his covenant forever. So we see this description of God, that God and what he does is forever. And then we see the righteous person and what they do and who they are. Let's look at them. Let's look at verse 3. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. And that's one thing to point out that I didn't take time to focus on. But notice, wealth and riches shall be in his house. The righteous person doesn't, it's, the idea of giving doesn't mean they give everything away and they, they live in poverty and they have nothing. They have wealth and riches in their house, in their home, for their family, for the children, for hard times, for the next generation coming behind them. So uh, sometimes people wear a spiritual badge of poverty where they try to act like, because I don't have, I must be rich in faith. And that's not what it's talking about. But this, this verse is saying that wealth and riches shall be in his house, He'll be blessed. Verse 2 even talks about his generation, that his seed will be mighty on the earth, and the generation of the, of the upright shall be blessed. And so his seed, his children, and his children's children, and the generation that are alive while he, he or she is alive, is blessed and mighty and strong. That's, those are wonderful blessings that God is talking about of the person that is righteous. But then it goes on to describe forever as, as well, and it says, His righteousness endureth forever. Verse 6, the righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. Just looking at both of these passages, we get to see descriptions of God and what God is like. And God, as we saw in verse 9, he sends his redemption unto his people. Why does God redeem people? He redeems the people to be unto himself and to become like him. And to transform us. And so Psalm 112 shows us descriptions and attributes of a righteous person. That's the kind of righteousness we ought to want to be in our life. We ought to want to adopt those characteristics of God in our life and ask God for those kind of blessings as we seek to be that kind of person. The kind of blessings of a mighty seed and generation, wealth and riches in our house, righteousness that is evident. God giving us light when we're in a dark place and we can't see where we're going, but we ask God to give us light, light of wisdom, light of truth, light of discernment, light of his Holy Spirit directing us and helping us. Being a gracious person that is full of compassion and full of righteousness, showing favor and lending and actually having financial means to be able to lend. being full of discretion and justice, never being moved, as verse 6 talks about. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance, knowing and trusting that you are remembered by God, that God knows who you are and doesn't forget you. A little bit of what we talked about during the 10 o'clock hour today, that you're in Christ, you're in God, you know him. Verse 7, he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. That's that fearlessness 
His heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. So that means that until he see his desire means that there will be a period of time, like I said, a prolonged period of time where the fear, the, the reason to be afraid is still there. It's not like, it's, God's not saying that he's going to be fear, this person's going to be fearless because God just, boom, knocks all of his problems away fast. Boom, boom. I picture, you know, this, that'd be amazing to have this huge angel out in front of you and every problem that comes that way, God goes, whap, whap. And you don't get any problems. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that you have enemies that are right there and until they're out of the way, you don't fear. Because you're, you're fearing God instead. You're trusting him. His heart is established. We see in verse 9 again that he disperses and gives to the poor and is exalted. But then lastly in verse 10, this is what we don't want to be like. Here we see the wicked shall see it. They're going to see what? They'll see the exalting of the righteous person. And they're going to see this and be grieved. Right? Wicked, those that live in wickedness are grieved when someone who lives righteously and follows after God's way, when they're exalted, they despise those ways, they despise the righteousness. So they're grieved, it bothers them. And notice it says he will gnash with his teeth. That's where you grit your teeth and possibly even talk out of your teeth. Like if you're so bad, you're talking out of your teeth. You ever done that before? That's what it means. He's going to gnash at his teeth. He's just so angry. He's going to grit his teeth. Why? Because a righteous person is exalted and lifted up. That's what it's talking about. And it says, he shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. Now, I can't help but think of, help me, help me, the, the Wicked Witch of the West on that one. I actually put that in my notes when I was doing an exegetical outline of this, and I was trying to look at this, and when I was specifically looking at that, I put the Wicked Witch of the West. I just had to do it. And then it says, the desire of the wicked shall perish. Things that the wicked desires after, that they want to have, it perishes away. But the, right, but the righteous, they're remembered forever the righteous desire they're trusting in god he is their desire they're fearing god they're desiring his commandments god and his commandments they're never going to fade away they're never going to perish if your desire is after god and the things of god your desire will never perish and so today we get got to see some descriptions of god and some descriptions of the righteous person, the God-fearing righteous person that God wants us to become like. That's why he redeems. The redeemed righteous. We cannot redeem ourselves. We cannot make ourselves righteous. We can follow after the righteousness of God, but we cannot make ourselves righteous. That all starts with trusting in him for his righteousness. And then we see the fearless, fearful. Not only should I be one that trusts in God for his redemption, but I ought to fear God, trusting that God is so big and so great, and he's on my side, I'm on his side, I'm with him, he's with me, and even when problems do come in my life, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be fearless. Now, that's a tall order, and I'm not about to do that on my own. But I can trust in him. 
And when hard times do come, and when reasons, true good reasons to fear come, I can say, God, I trust you. I fear you above everything else, and you're bigger than all of this. So, Lord, help me. Lord, I, I am not righteous of myself, but I trusted your righteousness. I do seek after your commandments, and I want to go after your ways. Lord, help me. That's the kind of life I want to live. I want to be that peculiar kind of person that is redeemed by God and lives righteously in Christ, in God, fears Him, trusts Him, and I pray you do as well. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.